Welcome to episode 50 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. The countdown continues. My book will be available in just about one month on July 30th. Want to get a free copy of Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences? Join my launch team for the book and you'll get an advanced copy to review and will be notified when it'll be available for free on Kindle. I'm very excited to share this with my listeners. Visit robbysamuels.com slash launch team to sign up. On the Schmooze is proud to be a headliner on C-Suite Radio, which is part of the C-Suite Network, a network of a half million C-level executives. If you enjoy business podcasts, you should also check out C-Suite TV at c-suitetv.com. Now, on to this week's show. Two years ago, I decided to start a podcast. There were many technological and psychological hurdles to get past before I finally launched in July last year. In the midst of recording those early episodes and learning best practices for a podcast launch, my son was born. He's now 18 months old, and I'm excited to share that he'll be promoted to Big Brother this December when our second son is born. If you want to get a glimpse into what motivates me to keep growing my business, check out my Instagram at instagram.com slash Robbie Samuels. You see, I've heard that 93% of podcasts don't publish more than seven episodes, so it definitely feels like a huge milestone to be at episode 50. I kept going because I have been so encouraged by my listeners. Thank you for writing reviews, commenting on show notes, and emailing me about what really resonated with you. The show has been a mix of interviews and solo shows. The solo shows have been shorter episodes where I share a networking tip or technique, The content from these shows were the basis of my new book. Writing a book isn't easy, but having these notes as a starting off point definitely helped me reach my goal. I've been so invested in this book for a long time. I'm so thrilled to be getting closer to the launch date on July 30th. I also have been incredibly impressed and inspired by my guests, all talented professionals who've shared stories of leadership and networking, hosting a podcast gives me an opportunity to spend an hour with these amazing individuals, and I then get to share the conversation and my favorite takeaways with you. Over the next year, my focus will be sharing weekly interviews with the occasional solo show. For today's episode, I'm going to share some of the highlights from the 25 interviews that I've done over the last year. If you've been listening, you know that the very first question I ask every guest is, how do you define leadership, and when did you know you had the skills to lead? The answers were far-ranging. I compiled all their definitions of leadership into a PDF with links to their individual episodes. You'll be able to download the PDF in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com, episode 50. In addition to the 25 quotes in the PDF, there were two other quotes on leadership that I wanted to share on the air. One is by Dr. Andy Neely, who said in episode 25, just because you're articulate, doesn't mean you have something to say. And so true. And it's something for outgoing extroverts like myself to bear in mind. 
The other quote is from my interview in episode 21 with Dr. Josh Picard, which was taped prior to the election and aired soon after. He said, we all know the traits that supposed great leaders have, but when I look at those in abstract, they often, if you didn't know that they were framed in a chapter in a book on great leadership, but if you instead had erroneously assumed the chapter was titled How to Be a Narcissist and an Egomaniac, I think you would conclude they were one and the same because we get some really bad advice about what it means to be a great leader in our culture. I find this just chilling. On a more positive note, my guests offered great advice about networking and building relationships. There was advice from Scott Stratton in episode 45 on the importance of attending in-person events. As he said, nothing beats face-to-face. Virtual is not a substitute. It's an addition or an enhancement. Of course, attending an event without a strategy won't be very effective. Belinda Rosenblum's advice in episode 47 was to set intentions prior to attending conferences. And last week, in episode 49, David Crowley shared some ideas on how to use Twitter to network while at the event. In episode 27, Iris Pollitt and I talked about how you shouldn't wait until you need something to build your professional network. One way to keep building up your professional network is to keep tabs on former colleagues you enjoy working with. Pay attention to LinkedIn notifications so you'll know if they've been mentioned in the news or changed jobs recently. When that does happen, send them a quick note, which will be much more memorable than just hitting the like button. Don't worry about how long it's been since you've spoken. If you generally enjoyed each other's company when working together, then any excuse is a good one to reach out and reconnect. Dr. Josh Picard and I delved into the same topic in episode 21, trying to stay in touch even when you don't need something. And this could be just a quick note of encouragement before a big event they're hosting, or of course, congratulations after they publish a book. Set a Google alert for your key contacts so you'll know when they're in the news, or again, keep an eye on those updates from LinkedIn. But don't let too much time pass for your most important relationships and the ones you hope will become significant. While you want to keep up with colleagues, these exchanges should not feel transactional. It's all about having the right mindset when networking. I really appreciated Dr. Josh Picard's approach to networking and found it to be a powerful reframe. He begins by asking himself, what does this person need from me in this moment? Asking this question helped him get out of the conundrum of feeling like he was asking for something from people who are more powerful than him. The power dynamics shifted when he realized there was something he could offer in return. I've always advised that networking becomes relationship building when you offer before you ask. You can be really creative in what you offer. No matter how successful someone is, they still have areas in their life they feel less confident. If your skills and experience are a match for what they need, that's a great offer. Don't undersell yourself the value that you can add. Of course, sometimes you are the one in the room who everyone is trying to connect with. Even in that case, you can still approach networking with a curiosity about how you can support other people. My guest in episode 37 was Jeffrey Hazlett. He has over 600,000 Twitter followers and an enormous number of fans, yet he still makes time to help people make connections and remains open to meeting new people. Another takeaway was the importance of asking for help. That came up in my conversation with Joanne Cox in episode 15. There are many people in your network who would be willing to support you if only you asked, especially if they have a common experience, such as being a former coworker or a fellow alum. Once again, I am challenging you to ask three people 
for help with a project you're working on. Seriously, do this and you'll be just amazed at the results. Speaking of asking for help, Justin Kang in episode 13 spoke about the importance of having mentors. He said, go to them in a vulnerable way and ask lots of questions. If you have the opportunity to be mentored, take advantage of it. Be prepared with questions and a clear sense of what you're looking for out of this relationship. By default, mentors are going to be busy, successful people who have a lot to offer. How much you get out of the arrangement is based on the effort you put in. Find ways to make this a two-way relationship by making an effort to share their content, write a review of their books or podcasts, comment on their blog posts, and generally show an appreciation for their time. Find ways to engage your mentor socially, even if that means having your regular meeting in a coffee shop or a bar rather than their office. Doing so will help you expand the relationship beyond mentor-mentee over time. Sometimes it isn't a formal mentor-mentee relationship. In my very first interview, Reverend Benjamin Perkins said, identify those folks who you can be honest and open and really real with and cultivate those relationships and do it with a kind of discipline, nurturing them over time so they will be solid relationships that will make all the difference in your personal and professional life. Another way to look at these relationships is to identify someone who will be your accountability partner or several people to be in your mastermind group. Chris Clark Epstein spoke about the power of having an accountability partner and being a part of a mastermind in episode 23. I loved what Chris said about how she gets so much done on Thursday night in anticipation of her Friday morning call with her accountability partner. That is definitely true for me as well. And that external accountability is just what many of us need to stay on course and meet our goals. Who in your life would be a good fit for your accountability partner? Their business model and product can be very different, but as Chris said, you'll want to be sure you have shared values. John Corcoran in episode 33 had a different spin on this. He said, it's important to be proactive about deciding what relationships you want to build. You need to look at the bigger goal first. Create a conversations list, 50 people you want to build or nurture a relationship with. They are aligned with what you do, but they are also people you can see tremendous benefit from knowing. Look at your business three to five years from now. Who are the people you want to surround yourself with? First step, think about the long-term goal. Second, put together a list. And third, find ways to develop those relationships. John created a weekly planner that reminds him each day to reach out to one of these 50 people. Speaking of weekly lists, I was really inspired by Dr. Andrew Neely's description of his weekly personal audit in episode 25. He created a list of what he wants to accomplish each week, which is a mix of business and personal goals. For instance, it could include the number of blog posts you want to write each week, how often you aim to meditate or go for a run, or it could help you track the number of phone calls you make to prospects. The idea is to track your efforts over time so you can see a trend and also hopefully inspire yourself to meet more of your weekly goals. Of course, your list will change over the years, so commit to a list now and review it again at the end of the year. I just mentioned phone calls as something to track. They don't have to be prospect calls. In an age where liking something on Facebook is considered engagement, calling someone can really stand out. The best advice I've received on this topic was from Susan Rowan in episode 35. She calls them, make hay while the sun shines phone calls. And hay stands for, how are you? 
the idea is to reach out via phone to say, how are you? It seems simple enough, but it is remarkable how personal phone call is when we're usually keeping up with each other by reading Facebook updates and tweets. How can you incorporate this into your life? Make a short list of six to 10 people you want to reach out to. And whenever you have 15 minutes to spare, give one of them a call. Susan also pointed out that we don't know who we know. Amassing connections on LinkedIn doesn't mean you know these people. Her suggestion is to sit down with your list of connections and go through them one by one so you can be reminded of the contacts you've lost touch with. She suggests doing this with paper and pencil, but you can also install Duck Soup extension in Google Chrome to take notes as you're viewing each profile. That's D-U-X-S-O-U-P. Of course, there's keeping track of people you know, and then there's making an effort to actually see them again. There were a couple of examples that came up in my interviews that I wanted to highlight. Hosting private dinner parties has been a very purposeful strategy that has helped my guests in episode 31, Dory Clark, build her professional network. By being the convener, she's providing something of value for her guests, a welcoming space where they can meet like-minded people. She's also being recognized as a connector. Dory very successfully did this when she moved to New York City. In a new city surrounded by millions of busy, successful people, she began to regularly host dinner parties for up to 10 guests. She says it was a great strategy for an introvert like herself. Better to focus your energy on a couple of networking dinners a month than attend endless events throughout the week. In episode five, Juan Martinez shared a way he does this while he's traveling. He hosts a happy hour gathering so he can see many of his former colleagues and old friends all at once. This is an excellent idea if you've moved around a bit in your career or if you're part of an organization that has a national alumni network. The real takeaway is that you need to be intentional and plan ahead to make the most of these opportunities. Are you planning a trip in the near future? Can you carve out any downtime to meet up with old friends and colleagues over coffee, a meal, or drinks? Do you have enough connections in that town that you could consider organizing a happy hour? As Juan mentioned, it's a really great way to see lots of folks all at once, and there's the added bonus that your worlds can collide and get to know each other. Suddenly, friends from grad school and your first job out of grad school are hitting it off and giving you even more reasons to visit often. Building relationships can also help out at the office. This was the advice Charlie Francis gave when I spoke to him with early on in episode three. Because Charlie had taken the time to build relationships with coworkers and community members, he was more effective at moving the project forward, even though he didn't have formal authority. If you've been nose to the grindstone lately and only focused in your own work bubble, maybe this week you could look up and see how you might support those around you. This may take the form of joining a committee, but it may also be much more informal, such as inviting a different colleague each week out for coffee to get to know them and find their common interests. Sometimes a new opportunity presents itself. Follow Senem Kumihia's lead in episode nine and be open to and even seek out leadership opportunities. How can you apply the experiences and connections from your day job to another passion of yours? Don't be afraid to jump into an opportunity that presents itself, even if on the surface, it doesn't seem like a natural next step. Don't be upset if you have to deviate from your roadmap. You may find a whole other world and be so happy that you did. Before I wrap up, I wanted to underscore the importance of closing the loop, which Stephanie Chung spoke about in episode 39. 
If a colleague takes the time to introduce you to a contact in their network, your colleague will wonder if the connection proved beneficial or not. Life gets busy, and this step often gets lost in the shuffle, but over time, you're going to erode the goodwill being offered by this colleague. A simple email might suffice, but if the introduction landed you a great job or a six-figure client, then up your game and send a thank you package. In episode 30, I share detailed steps for writing an effective email introduction, so go check that out to sharpen your own intro email etiquette. But when you're on the receiving end of an introduction, remember to always close the loop. As Mary Eintema reminds us in episode seven, not everyone is a social media rock star, so it can be challenging to stay in touch if you aren't currently working together. She is likely not alone when she says she wishes she kept in better touch with former colleagues, especially those she worked with on different boards over the years. One way to keep track of these past connections and know whether you've been in touch with them recently is to use Contactually, a robust CRM perfect for managing your professional network. As an affiliate for Contactually, they're offering my listeners a free trial. Sign up at contactually.com slash invite slash moves for more details. That's C-O-N-T-A-C-T-U-A-L-L-Y dot com slash invite slash moves, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. Let me know if you sign up for the free trial and I'll help you get set up for success. For your convenience, I'll add this link to the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 50. While you're there, download the PDF of Leadership Quotes and look for the link to today's transcript. I've published it as a separate blog post with links to each episode that I mention. Is networking an important but your least favorite part of your job? My coaching clients felt the same way. Through a combination of technical tips, accountability, and a bit of inspiration, I help leaders stop wasting time networking and start building great relationships. This fall, I'm launching a beta version of our group coaching program that will move participants from feeling anxious and or disillusioned about networking in general, and particularly at events and conferences, to feeling strategic, effective, and empowered. This is a virtual program with participants from around the globe. So if this sounds like something you'd want to be part of, we should set up a time to chat and see if it would be a good fit for you. Email Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. That's R-O-B-B-I-E at R-O-B-B-I-E-S-A-M-U-E-L-S.com. Do you host a conference or convention and want your attendees to feel that your event was incredibly valuable because of all the connections they made? I work with associations and companies to design events that increase engagement and create a welcoming culture for all attendees, especially your first-time attendees. Do you know someone who might be interested? I would welcome introductions. And just a reminder that you are encouraged to join my launch team by visiting robbysamuels.com slash launch team. You'll receive an advanced copy of Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking and Conferences, and you'll be notified when it will be available for free on Kindle. All I ask in return is your help spreading the word, and if you feel the book was valuable, that you write a review on Amazon. If you want to discover other business podcasts, check out C-Suite Radio at c-suiteradio.com, where you'll find On the Schmooze in good company with other C-Suite Radio headliners. Before I go, I want to sincerely thank all of you who've already subscribed and left a rating and review in iTunes. By subscribing and leaving a rating review in iTunes, you're helping this podcast get discovered by more listeners. Will you subscribe and leave an honest rating and review? Include your Twitter handle in your review so I can give you a shout out. It's easy to find our iTunes page 
at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance, and I look forward to connecting again next week for a longer episode when I'll be interviewing a talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.